Welcome to Depollution, the new podcast from SalvageWire. In this podcast, we will be interviewing interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this podcast, we welcome Scott Robertson, President of the Automotive Recyclers Association. Let's get straight into my conversation with Scott. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to, to be with us. bit of introduction, a little bit about your career. Who have you worked for, your roles and your current business, the location and the size and the history and so on? Yes. Well, um, I've only had one job, and that's working for Robertson's Auto Salvage. Um, I started working the business, in the business uh, the summer of my freshman year in high school. So that would have been uh, ninth grade. That was probably back in 1980. Um, the business was actually started by my father, uncle, and grandfather in 1970. Um, and then in 1977, we started a body shop down the street. And then in 1983, we started the dealership and we moved the dealership into our existing facility here at the salvage yard. So the salvage yard and the dealership uh, work out of a joint facility underneath the same roof. Mm-hmm. Um, Like I said, I started working when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, Originally, I wanted to be a doctor and um, I just needed something to do. And um, my father did not want me to come to work at the salvage yard. He said, no, go find another job. I don't want you down there. Well, I arrived, went to work, came home that night covered with grease and oil and nasty. I was breaking down tires and doing this and that. And, you know, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I saw the operation from a different light. I saw uh, what money could be made, and um, I, I I never turned back. I, I I worked there. I worked at the business every summer. I worked at the business every um, every break, uh, and um, still work here now. Fantastic, fantastic. And you're part of the leadership team of the Automotive Recyclers Association. Can you expand on the role of the ARA and how it serves its members and the work the association does and the events that the association runs? Sure. Um, ARA is the is the association for the industry. We speak for the industry. We're the, we're the eyes and ears for the automobile industry in uh, North America, well, North, uh, the United States. Um, we have members throughout the world but the vast majority of our members are in the United States. Um, Our members help pay the bills, but we represent the industry. Um, ARA, um, we do three things. We educate, we legislate, and we promote the industry. And we do that, we educate through ARAU, and also through our certification programs for the in, in helping the yards, uh, we promote the industry with with uh, through the uh, through our government relations and uh, industry conferences with the with the body shops and the mechanical shops, and with um, um, and joining other uh, uh, associations, relevant associations like the. Um, um, Auto Care Association, which is the uh, association for the aftermarkets, and ISRI, which is the association for the scrap processors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, um, um, similar 
agendas that we can pair with them and, and, and we can lock arms with them and tackle. Mm -hmm. And um, legislative, we, we spend most of our time um, federally and through the state uh, defending our rights to sell used auto parts. Right. Uh, we have affiliate chapters that we deal with an awful lot, lot within the United States. You know, the United States, we have 50 states, mm -hmm. 50 different set of laws. It's unlike any other country in the world. I think in, in, in Canada, they have uh, 11 provinces or so. And, um, but in the United States, we have 50 states, 50 different laws, 50 ways of doing things. Um, everybody thinks their way is the right way. Um, so it's 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 difficult, and then you have feds, and they think their way is the right thing, the right way. So it's you know have we have a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> you uh, mentioned ARAU. Can you explain to people who don't know uh, about ARAU and what and what that is and what it does? Absolutely, ARAU is A ARA University. That's short for ARA University, mm -hmm. and we're trying to uh, educate the industry on um, safety matters, but we're gonna take it a step further. Um, ARA just took back the, the, the leadership of ARAU. It, it, was with a, uh, it was with a committee and it was a stand-by-itself stand organization. Uh, we just uh, took it back over and it's now a member benefit. You used to have to pay to access the ARAU. Now it's a member benefit. And we're working right now on a depollution uh, module so that um, if you have a new hire, that person can go into and log into ARAU and uh, take some classes, watch some videos, take some tests, mm -hmm. and be certified as a um, as a deep polluter employee. Um, and we're going to get help from our certification committee uh, in making those modules in 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 making that training. So that it's 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 seamless and it's and it's and it's very harmonious. So if you want to become a certification a certified recycler, you can go to ARAU and take these classes and and it'll it'll take you step by step on how you can be a certified recycler. And having recyclers do operate their their, their facilities properly helps everyone because unfortunately lots of lots of groups um, fall to the lowest common denominator. So um, especially the press or the public, they always look at the worst quality mm -hmm. sometimes, and 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 they, they never go on the they, and they look at the the good qualities. They they you you're always dragged down like a chain is only as good as its weakest link. Yeah. So so the more recyclers we can get on these programs and and having better processes, the better, and it helps everyone. Rise, rising waters lifts all boats. <clears throat> yeah, and obviously certified recyclers are people who've gone through a similar sort of training and similar sort of sort of processes to to achieve certain standards. Is is that correct? Well, <clears throat> the certified recyclers, we are revamping our uh, our our certified program. We're we're going to make it. We're going to try to make it really easy for recyclers to become certified and have that certified label. Um, there's another level called gold seal which mm -hmm. has mostly mostly has to do with selling and how you sell and how you uh, how you uh, a product is packaged um there's a lot of different business models in our industry not everybody handles 
insurance grade parts. Mm -hmm. Some people had a lot of scrap cars, a lot of older models that aren't insurance quality. So it's, it's awful hard to group everybody together and build one certification for the industry. Um, that's why we that's why we we revamped it so that it it makes it easier for those doing a lesser quality car to be yeah. certified. Right. And we're gonna reserve the gold seal for the insurance quality mm -hmm. yards that mm -hmm. want to sell into that market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now <clears throat> you mentioned um, insurance market and um, and obviously the recycled parts side of things. Mm -hmm. um, over in, in the US, you've got quite a good acceptance of uh, the use of recycled parts in vehicle repair. Um, not so much here in the UK, but certainly in, in there. But what does the industry have to do to achieve much greater acceptance and use of those vehicle rec uh, those recycled parts in vehicle repair? It's a struggle over here, Andy, because of the um, OEM repair procedures. Mm -hmm. Subaru just came out with a statement stating that they do not recommend the use of aftermarket or recycled original equipment parts mm -hmm. in repairing their vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, every single vehicle manufacturer has the same uh, statements. It's just a, a matter of how much they publicize them. Um, that's, that's a big danger for our existence, for, especially in the models that sell into that market. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, at our dealership, we have people who come to the service department and what the service advisor says is pretty much gospel. I mean, if your car needs this, this, and this, some guys just say, yeah, do it. And I've done it because the dealer told me I have to do it. Hmm. Um, right now, I think we're running at 11 or 12% uh, 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 penetration on parts that are utilized in insurance claims. Now they can't tell tell us if that's just written insurance claims mm -hmm. or actual utilization, because the insurance companies can originally write the original estimate utilizing recycled original equipment, and then the shop can then go in and submit a supplement and say, well, the the part I ordered was no good, it was junk, and I had to replace it with a original equipment part, mm -hmm. a, a brand new original mm -hmm. equipment part. Um, so, you know, my fears uh, are that um, our utilization might be a lot lower than the, the 12%. Right, right. And certainly here in the UK, we're looking at a, at a parts um, standards, parts grading process, uh, you know, which uh, the insurance industry is certainly supporting and is certainly looking at, but they will, they will be very, very strict around what parts we can put onto that process. And, and it mm -hmm. will be literally just bolt-on, non-safety-related parts. So it will be doors and trunk lids. Uh, that, that they won't do suspension or steering or airbags or anything of that nature. Do you think something like that would be of benefit to the insurance industry and the repairers and the recyclers in the USA? Well, you just said something about safety. Um, the OEMs in the United States, they think that the um, that the uh, bumper reinforcement and the bumper covers and the headlights and uh, the doors, they equate that to a safety product. Right. So, so, so if you raise the, the word safety, it, 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 it'll throw a red flag. What we need to do is we need to harp on the point, point that these are the parts that you manufactured mm. 
was it was good to put on your car when when it was harvested from the car that 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 was either involved in an accident or the car was retired for whatever whatever reason it was good at that time mm. at the time we got it it was it was a running driving good mm. car um until they have a expiration date on their parts their parts should be good yeah now, do they want to put an expiration date on the cars they sell and you know after seven years that car is no good and it has to be crushed and if, and if they don't do that, then why are the parks no good? Yeah, no, I can understand where you're coming from. I really can. We will come back to our conversation with Scott in a moment. Salvage Insight is a new program from SalvageWire. We are creating a range of intensive management bootcamp options for business owners and managers who want to measure current value, create compelling customer experiences, market promote and sell more effectively, improve profitability, manage smarter at every level of the business, determine the most effective management structure and create a strategic vision, refresh their mission statement and develop a new business plan. Salvage Insight will launch with a one-day boot camp on Wednesday the 17th of June. For more details and information, please contact SalvageWire through our website, www.salvagewire.com. Back to our conversation with Scott. We're recording this at the height of the coronavirus, but putting that to one side, what do you believe are the challenges that the vehicle recycling industry is facing? And how different do you think the industry will be in the next five, 10 or 15 years? Yes. Um, the biggest challenge that we have um i think is the car ownership programs who's going to own that vehicle who's going to decide how that vehicle is being repaired um before this covid 19 there was a big push for subscriptions mm -hmm. there's a push um uh for, for leases um the price you pay for automobiles are, are, are crazy. People were buying houses, you know, 15 years ago for the price that you're paying for an automobile now. Mm. Um, it's it's a major expenditure for someone, and the auto manufacturers need to find out a way of getting uh, the car to the public cheaper. Mm. Now, some of those ownership models are, are, are car sharing and uh, subscriptions and ride sharing and stuff like that. That all circles back to who owns the vehicle and who decides where it's going to be repaired and how it's going to be repaired. If you take the um, uh, the owner vehicle ownership the way it's been for the past hundred years out of the equation, and you have group ownerships and and um, and if if the OEMs never give up ownership of the vehicle, they're going to decide how it's fixed. Yeah. Now. Now, now, that that is a couple of problems. The first problem is that is that maybe they don't want to fix their car with recycled original equipment parts. Mm -hmm. The second part is when that car is totaled or at the end of life, where's that car going to go? Are they going to offer that car for sale to mm -hmm. auto recyclers, or are they going to take it and recycle it themselves and not even put it out to the market? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and do you think, do you see this running into sort of um, 
certainly with with some of the cheaper cars a almost a, a an early end of life for them you know it, you know you you'll you'll have that car you'll pay $150 a month you'll run it for 5 years give it back to the manufacturer and they then literally just dispose of it they don't even put it out to the retail market as a as another unit can you see that happening absolutely absolutely matter of fact they're doing it now with um with end of life leases um uh after the covid-19 right now the um the financial companies gm financial and mm-hmm. uh ford financial they're predicting that they're going to have billions of dollars of losses because they, the value of the used cars have gone down so much. Mm. And um, they're going to try to keep the uh, off of the off lease vehicles for the dealers and have the dealers sell them. Yeah. They'll either let them uh, uh, stay in their lots for free or, or, or do, what, do whatever they can. What they don't want to do is throw them out into the marketplace and have, and have the bidders mm. uh, in a traditional way. Because um, they're not going to do the money, yeah. and and rental, the rental car guy is going to be dumping cars. A lot of people are going to be dumping cars on the market. Hmm. Ouch! Ouch! That's not good. Not good. No. 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 <clears throat> no. And obviously that would have an impact then on the on the ARA, um, you know, in 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 years to come. So uh, you know, I assume you're planning for that. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, there are, there are 300 registered vehicles in the United States. Before COVID-19, 17 million new vehicles were sold a year, and only 12 million were scrapped. Mm-hmm. So the, so the pig, the hog was getting fatter and fatter yeah. and fatter. You know, there's a there's a lot of bacon, there's a lot of meat still still on that hog. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Uh, you know, uh, people have to do something with the older vehicles, yeah. and and not everybody's going to go into this new uh, ownership uh, uh, a model. Mm-hmm. Um, a plumber who has to who 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 has his um, his shop in his in his truck in his van, he's yeah. not going to be in that model. A landscape is not going to be in that model. A guy who commutes to work every day mm-hmm. might be in that model. He might not be in that model. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a, a soccer mom with the you know with a with a van. She might not be in that model, so it's it's not for everyone. Yeah. But if it takes away fifty percent of the car ownership, it it's 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 going to have an impact. Do you see legislation changing in the near future where you're going to be much much tougher environmental legislation where you're going to be forced to uh, recycle much 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 more of the vehicle like we do here in Europe? Can you see that coming? Can you see that happening in the future? Possibly, um, I think that ISRI and ARA would probably fight that. Um, just imagine—I I mean, uh, my father and uncle tell me stories way back when, when you could not send a car to the uh, to the shredder with any upholstery in it. Mm-hmm. What they do is they'd wait until the wind was blowing favorably and they'd burn the cars. Burn the car, yeah, that's it. Um, sometimes, uh, I mean, it's it's. It can't be too burdensome on the on the recyclers to uh, to 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 get the car ready mm. to send mm. to the shredder mm. uh, because they, they they might not do it. Yeah. Um, um, you know, um, legislation as legislation isn't always bad, and and and, and regular regular uh, 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 be, being told to do certain things isn't always bad. You, you, we always talk about um, 
the illegal operators, unlicensed operators. Um, a lot of us got our starts in, in body shops and tow yards, and you kind of we kind of fell into the recycling industry. And and lots of lots of present day recyclers started out as unlicensed yeah. operators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not always bad. Um, you know, getting everybody to 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 uh, come up to a certain standard and operating practices is is the goal. Yeah, brilliant. Now, now the industry itself, as we know, is very family orientated. You know, yours is is one of them, with lots of younger generations working under their parents or even their grandparents. What advice would you give to any young or aspiring leaders looking to advance their career in this industry and eventually attain full ownership or leadership of their family business? Okay, let's go back to family businesses. Family values and family businesses should not be um, co-mixed. Co um, lots of uh, uh, businesses have fa family values in their business. Mm -hmm. Having a family business where your whole extended family works in it, in it, I think is extremely detrimental to the business. Um, I think that a lot of family members might feel um, that they're entitled to certain privileges working for a business. Um, lots of times a, a, a job might be created so that a family member can have a position, can, can, can pull a salary, and it can be burdensome on some businesses. Lots of times that family member that's working that position is not the best qualified person to work that position. It's someone else. Um, it's 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 difficult, and it's the downfall for a lot of a, a lot of uh, uh, industries, a lot of family industries. Lots of family businesses don't last through the second and third generation, just because of that. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a sense of entitlement. You know, well, well, my uncle, my uncle's kids are doing it, so why 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 can't we do it? You know, everybody gets a car, everybody gets free gas, everybody gets the insurance paid. Well, that doesn't work. You know, yeah. Um, as far as a, a young leader wanting wanting to work work up and 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 and, and get through their family business, um, you have to have a good work ethic. You have to lead by example. Um, don't be the last one to work in the first. Um, the LIFO method, accounting method method doesn't work. Work mm -hmm. last in and first out. Um, you have to be willing to do a job that of the the other people that don't want to do. Be willing to get your hands dirty, um, and um, and be a leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. That really is amazing advice. That's fantastic. And if there's one thing that the U.S. government or even Massachusetts uh, uh, leaders could do differently that would have the biggest benefit to your business or to the vehicle recycling industry, what would that one thing be? The one thing that that I think uh, in France, they passed a law and they worked on it, I think, for um, for three years. That said that every estimate that a repair shop gives has to give the consumer an alternate choice on parts. Mm -hmm. And it has to have a choice on new aftermarket alternative and recycled. Yeah. If we ever get that passed over here, that would be a, a, a game changer. Mm -hmm. Most people don't are not aware that there's 
uh, an alternative in fixing their car, a cheaper alternative to new. Mm -hmm. uh, let's face it, it um, people you utilize our parts not because they're the best part. Um, in lots of cases, the best the best part would be brand new OEM yeah. right out of a box. Um, people utilize our product because it's cheap. It's cheaper. They save money. Sometimes it is the best the best use, but in yeah. most cases it it is the brand new OEM out of out of the box. Um, so if 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 that was ever passed and if that would if that would raise our awareness and um, you know it would it, it would shine a light on our industry and give us a chance to grow. Some, so, something to aim for. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's way up in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love it, love it. And um, what we'll do in, in in the show notes, we'll we'll put uh, details in the show notes of how to uh, get in touch with the uh, ARA and 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 find out more yes. details. Um, but yes. why should uh, why should vehicle recyclers? Why should they be part of the ARA? What's what? What would you like to say to them to say, come and join us, come and be part of the ARA? You know, the ARAs, we represent the industry. Mm -hmm. We're not going to re represent a non-member in a lesser way than we would a member. We might offer the member uh, uh, um, uh, advantages for free access to ARAU, mm -hmm. but you can be a non-member and have access to ARAU. Um, we're not going to go to the legislator and say, you know, only members of ARA can can do this, and mm -hmm. if you're not a member of ARA, you can't do it. That's not what we do. Um, I would reach out to non-members and say, uh, 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 you know, we are your voice, we are your ears. Um, I would equate it to being in a um, in in a in a rowboat and um, you know, are you just going to sit there and, and, and just go for the ride or are you going to pick up an oar and, 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 and help grow? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's not much money. It's about the cost of selling a, a used tire a month to become a member. Um, you know, what we mostly look for is people to get engaged. Yeah. You know, tune in, read, read the stuff we send them. Be engaged because no one, you're not going to get this information from, from, from anyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, the information is the most valuable part yeah, absolutely. of coming a member. Yeah, brilliant. I would, I would second that as well. Yeah. Um, I would second that. And really, final question. We asked this one of everybody on the podcast, but what was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car? Okay, my first car was an orange mid to late i think it was a mid 70s nissan 240z and um i think my father and uncle we we bought it at the auction i think it was a recovered theft had some scratches needed a paint job needed in in, in interior and uh that was going to be my first car i was all excited my father and uncle did most of the repairs and helped fix it up they, they were more excited about it than i was mm -hmm. it down the shop and the shop painted it up oh it was looking awesome and father sold it before I even had a chance to get my license. <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> so the, the, the memories of me having cars is buying them and selling them and flipping them. And I, I, did, I did an awful lot of those. I used to, I, I used to buy Corvettes 
and I'd get a I'd get a 90-day bank note from the from the bank and ride it drive it through the summer, you know, and, and only have yeah. to pay the interest at the yeah. end. I, yeah, I have to pay the full um the the full loan. I I'd, I'd sell it. Yeah, <laughs> <I just> love <laughs> it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. When you started with that and you said 240 240Z and I thought, oh, fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, because. A lot of people I've spoken to, it's been a, it's been a, an original mini or something of that nature, yeah. something really small yeah. and tiny, and and you know you've just raised the bar, and then you sold yeah. it. Hey, yeah, <laughs> oh, amazing, Scott. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much for being with us on the podcast today. Well, great. Thank you, Andy, and it was it was a pleasure speaking to you, and I hope everybody's on. Um, getting through this COVID-19 and we're going to get through it and uh, we're going we're gonna to be better um, once, once we see the other side. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Scott, thank you very, very much for your time and your knowledge. You'll find full details of how to contact the Automotive Recyclers Association in the show notes. Please don't forget to take this time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating. Depollution podcasts are released every Tuesday on your standard podcasting network. Thank you.